welcome to another episode of the Jason and Bart Show. He's Jason. I'm Bart. And we have another guest. One of my favorite people in the Bureau. Yes. Yes. You are my favorite. (laughs) Thank you. That's so nice. So I bet you say that to all your guests. <laughs> Andy, but you are really one of my favorites. Oh. Uh wow, you went from the favorite to one of the favorites very quickly there. <laughs> I, well, know, I don't know if you I don't know if you saw I hate Jason, I hate Jason so there's that. You <laughs> there know? you go. See, I start at the bottom and try to work my way up. That's that's the that's the difference. Um no, it's funny actually, because uh, I agree, Bart, right? Andy, Andy is one of the one of the really great uh owners uh that i've come across uh, in the last 10 years not just she's a phenomenal person a better person than she is an owner oh. although she's a great owner um but we were in costa rica last november um and we had just started the show in october and so i had gone down there um and i knew immediately that both she and and, and, and zoe were going to be on the show at some point so i think oh, when we have you great. back i'd love to have you both back i think oh yeah it'd be really interesting that. to have that yeah. have that dynamic too but um, anyway let's tell the audience who we're talking to hi so uh we're talking to andy graham today andy is the founder and ceo of big c big c is a marketing agency that empowers mission-based organizations to amplify their purpose through impactful storytelling She's been the founder and CEO since 2005, mm-hmm. and they are currently a distributed team of about 30 industry veterans providing growth strategy, storytelling, digital marketing, and website development services to nonprofits, museums, and research institutions around the country. Andy Graham, welcome to the Jason and Bart Show. Yay! Yay. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Someday we'll be able to afford all the all the left tracks. Yeah, that's right. Uh, exactly. Um, Audience background. So 2005, right? Let's start there. Uh, as the founder and CEO of Big C, you've likely encountered a variety of milestones throughout your mm-hmm. journey, right? Over the last coming up on almost 20 years now, right? Um, could you share a particular particular moment a memorable moment or achievement that stands out and how it impacted um the, tra- the trajectory of big c over that period of time because obviously you've been on a nice not without ups and downs which i'm sure you'll talk about but yeah. on a nice <laughs> steady climb up into the right so um yeah i think that's a that's actually a great framing of it because there are as many milestones there as there are in the great perfect direction. There is just as many in the other direction. And so it really is the zigzag line that does slowly, you know, on the average we're on the median, we're moving up and to the right, but there's right. certainly some ups and downs. So um, I honestly think one of the very best things that I've done for the business was deciding to merge my agency in 2016. Yeah. With Zoe's agency. I had been solopreneur and mom to a very young child um, and a little bit older child for, you know, the first 11 years, um, trying to build a business, but also maintain time for the family. And also, I didn't know what I was doing because in 2005, there weren't a lot of people building websites at agencies. And so we were all just trying to figure out what that looked like. And so the process surrounding it, the tools we were using, all those things were just kind of a wild west. And I'm... I was tired and I probably hadn't taken a vacation that where I was fully disconnected in that full 10 or 11 years. I have a great story of being on a ski lift, answering phone calls from clients because a server was down and my lead dev who was doing DevOps wasn't answering. And, you know, I'm just like, I'm on vacation. Let me go. But, you know, 
I think um, pulling in a partner, you guys know how active I am in our agency owner community. I love feedback and it makes me, I love to share, but I also love receiving and reading everybody's really thoughtful insights and comments and experiences to help make decisions. And so having a business partner now is one of the best and just most rewarding things that I think I've brought to the table. And I know so many people feel the opposite. You never give up ownership. You never give up this and never give up that. And but the quality of life that I have now is so astronomically better than it was when I was a solopreneur that I would, I, I, there's no money in the world worth still being here, even if I was the you know king of the mountain on the top by myself. So I just, yeah. I really love having somebody who's in it with me at the same commitment level at the same capacity that I am. So, yeah. Cause it's kind of hard to go to your employees to do that. <laughs> yeah. Know, it's it like, it's literally lonely doesn't... at the top, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. lonely at the top. Yeah. And I um, think I actually lost an employee who was like, I can't take the stress. Like I know everything going on. She was our, our lead project manager in that like 2012 or something when we were going through a, a tough project build. She's like, I can't handle like knowing all of it. I don't want to know all of it. I just want to deal with my window, you know? <laughs> okay. I don't know who to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, um, what led up to the merger itself? I know obviously having a partner, but like what actually like, inspired a little bit to, to that merger? Sure. They were another local agency. So we were competing for a lot of the same projects in the Tampa Bay area. So anytime there was a museum or an education or a, you know, higher ed, or there was a business, you name it, like all of the public institutions, we were competing always with them. Like they were always on the roster of agencies we were competing against. And I knew our strengths versus theirs. Um, and I knew their strengths versus ours. And what I honestly liked was that Zooey is very much a sort of behind the scenes operator. Yep. And he um, is extremely invested in culture and really maintaining connections with our team. It's something I probably don't excel at. Um, I'm probably giving myself like <laughs> more credit than I deserve by saying <laughs> it so lightly, but um <laughs> I know that it's like vital and I really put a lot of energy into it, but I'm not the most, I, I don't know. I'm a very direct person. And so I know that I rub people the wrong way sometimes when I'm being so direct. And so he is soft and just squishy and lovable. And he's one of the most kind, truly to the core humans. And so I think we really complement each other well. So anyways, we'd seen each other a lot. We started having lunches together and we called it co-commiseration where we kind of talk about things we were of course sharing client things and hey don't take them if we, we just fired them you don't want to take this one on that kind of a thing but also talking about great talent and things like that and at one point we're like why are we just not doing this together mm -hmm. why don't we you know you have this team that complements our team in this way let's figure out how we can do this better together so um, they had obviously solved some of the problems we were struggling and vice versa um, so it was really just sort of a fortuitous, we had both, I think we both had like between 11 and 13 employees at the time. So it was a pretty much a merger of equals that brought us up to the the next, you know, doubled our size. That's great. Um, you had, and that's the only merger you have, or did you have, you guys bought another little company <laughs> not long ago, right? We've done a couple. Yeah. So okay. we actually acquired a Shopify development agency in 20. 19, I think something like that, um, where they had a partner who was kind of looking to make an exit. Um, he had built a great company. They had some really big clients that were on 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 their roster um, and a great team. And we acquired them, 
helped them build a little bit. And a year later, we actually sold. So we sold it back to the once we <laughs> once we righted the ship, then he was like, could I buy it back from you? And we're like, sure, not a problem. So um, <laughs> that's it. That's definitely an interesting way to go, I, I, go about it. But at a larger multiple than when you acquired it. Yeah, we, we, we did okay. I think he was expecting we would be more involved um, and he wanted to pull out more than he was able to. And so I think once he realized that our expectation was that, no, he's staying on to run the business, because we said we, it was not part of Big C. It was like its own. We don't do Shopify. So it was completely a separate agency with their own clients, their own team, all of those things. Um, we moved them onto our benefits plan and payroll and things like that as a, and did shared back office, but that was about it. Um, but I think, yeah, once he realized like, oh, I'm still in charge of you know running this thing. I, he was like, I might as well just get my ownership back. So, <laughs> sure. like, yeah. so totally two different experiences. Totally two different experiences. Yeah. Well, then, the, I mean, and then two years later, we just a year and a half ago, March of 2022, we acquired an agency that was again, doubled us in size. So that was, um, but that was a full acquisition. Um, so that was a big one where we brought in 22 new faces. So, so big C is being, becoming big C. <laughs> yeah, it was so not, that. So you're yeah. not 30 anymore then? No, we you're were, bigger. well, we are now. So we okay. acquired them and then over the year have sort of established that we had far more redundancies. We actually abolished it. We got rid of, they had a whole video studio. We didn't want it in the acquisition and we tried to separate it out, but it wasn't its own LLC. And so we had to take got that it. team and all the equipment, but they had their own P and L and it was a four person team and they were losing between 20 and $40,000 a month. Oof. And so within the first six weeks, we were like, we're done. That's when I, we're going to finish think, these contracts and walk away from that piece. So I think Jason just killed over. No, no, I, no it, I, was it was the second part. I'm very happy to hear it, it only took yeah. six weeks. A lot of people would take a lot longer. Yes. But that it was a big, that was a big culture thing because, you know, they were promised everybody was coming over with the acquisition and we weren't going to lay anyone off and you know, the numbers, we couldn't sustain it. That was ridiculous. So yeah. it was tough. Interesting. <laughs> um, Jason, it up to you there, sir. Sure. Um, we kind of talked a little bit about st strategy and decision making that kind of led to your growth. A lot of it's through like M&A. Uh, but operating a success, you you talked about not being, and you and I are a bit alike like this, can be direct <laughs> and probably can come across a little bit less personable I'm than we intend to sometimes, yeah. right? So like- Totally, totally feel you on that. Um, but we know that building a successful agency requires having like a super strong team, right? And that mm -hmm. means softer skills like culture and values. It means, you know, harder skills like aptitude and cap capability and, and so on, and competency and so on and mm -hmm. so forth. Um, how do you approach team building? Uh, what qualities do you look for when you're bringing somebody onto, uh, onto the team? We I have, guess this could be both production and I guess leadership and management. Certainly as you've grown, you've established yeah. probably more of a management layer too. Yeah, we definitely have a management and we have a management of management layer. So um, it is, it, you know, everybody wants a path upwards, but at small agencies, there's not always the next step upwards. And so it's been, that is a tough thing we struggle with for sure. You know, we can't just, can, you know, we're not growing at a pace where we're adding five new roles every mm -hmm. six months so that there's always a new managerial role or a next step. But, um, we tend to hire, I actually have, we've had incredible luck 
hiring outside agency life. So we are looking for a non-traditional path to becoming an expert in whatever area of focus that we're hiring for. So we have a PhD in English who runs our creative department. I have a PhD in English who actually taught herself Python and is the most badass SEO you will ever talk to in your life running our SEO department. Um, you know, we've, we've done a really good job of bringing folks in, um, our lead, our design director right now came from product design. She's from Chewy. She was at Outdoorsy before that. So it's a, um, I tend to find people who, when we hire people from agencies, a lot of times we expect they're going to bring in all kinds of great ideas and how wonderfully the agency they were at was doing things. And you find that they're just like, just tell me what to do and how to do it. I, we hated, I hated how we worked at this other place. And so it doesn't really behoove us aside from the fact that they're used to the cadence pace and often context switching that's required at an agency. Um, That's a little bit different when you bring somebody in from outside agency life, but um, that's one thing we look for. And we also find those people are a lot more aligned with the culture that we're trying to build, which is not a traditional agency culture. I know that sounds crazy and you'll cringe at this too, but like we have 32.5 booked hours a week for people. That's it. Like everything else is gravy. And so um, we have a lot of flexibility in scheduling. We have low expectations from a um, from that sort of how much time you're putting in, but I have extremely high expectations from quality. And so I'd rather hire somebody who knows the knows their you know area of expertise and less about how to gain the the harvest time clock and things like that which is what a lot of agency folks bring in so then i assume your your pricing is not based on time and materials majority of it is something else yeah i'm a uh yeah we have the most complex pricing that you could possibly (laughs) imagine some of it is time and materials so yeah gotcha it's the full menu it is the full menu. If you name a pricing strategy in any capacity, we use it instantly. I have media, we have commissions, we have, you know, time and materials, we have fixed fees, we have value price, which I think is fixed fees, let's all be honest. Um, we have, um, yeah, I have media commissions, but we also have margin on media stuff that right. we sell. So there's both of those. And then there's, you know, I don't know, it's everything. We have retainers, uh... lots of retainers. Your PhDs in English uh, must be excellent with ChatGPT. One is and one is not. Interesting. Huh. And Interesting. what's and what is they're definitely going to watch this. Uh, one of them is an SEO who's like, "How much more can I do? How much faster can I do it? How, you know, it's all about production and getting it into the world." Yeah. The other one is an English, you know, literature. Every word matters generative AI could never do what we do. And so I've been, I think that's a struggle because I'm a very, I hop on every single bandwagon. I'm a salesperson's dream when it comes to SaaS. Like you put something in front of me, shiny object, and I'm like, yes. So um, (laughs) this will automate it. Yeah, exactly. So so what I've been doing is like finding use cases in our workflows. I actually took over two client projects in the past six months just so I could figure out places in the workflows that I could incorporate different AI tools. Mm And I'd spend, you know, even though our budget was maybe two hours to do a task, I'd spend six testing it across different tools, see what works, see what didn't. Um, and then I'd write a little SOP on like, hey, here's the chat GPT login. Here's what we're doing to run the analysis on this survey that we sent out, that sort of a nice. thing. So um, we've figured out points in every single process that we've audit, that we've set up, you know, AI to, to help us speed up um, 
And then one of the tasks that I'm sending out to our all of our creative leads, so design director, development director, and um, content director are uh, a plan for AI for the next six months. Like, what are you doing now? What are you testing and experimenting? And what do we expect will be the outcomes of it? And then how are we measuring those things? So yeah. we're setting up meetings to get to that point next. It's ironic because I, when I graduated, I was an English major and yeah, business econ major, but as an English major, everybody was like, you know, you're never going to find a job in the real world. Like maybe you'll be a teacher or whatever. <laughs> Certainly not going to be a developer. And so it's when you said that one of the PhD in English had taught themselves Python, I was thinking to myself, it's ironic that the best prompters using ChatGPT to code will be people who can articulate the, the best prompts, right? And those yep. are probably going to be English majors. And it was funny because I had to explain that to our copywriters as well, who are <laughs> copywriters are both at one, they're both master's degrees, right? So they're the same way. They didn't want to touch it. And so I kept telling them like, you guys don't understand. You can get better outputs out of this than anyone else who's using it because you know what to ask for it to change. You know how to use language to describe things in yeah. a different way. So what Bart always says, and he's so right on this, is is people who understand that it's it's it, it's aug augmentative right instead of yes it's not it's not going to replace, replace but it, it's, yeah. a, it's additional it's enhancement yep um, yeah i mean for, for the longest time <laughs> yeah jason and i had this conversation about you know the people are going oh prompt engineers i'm like for the moment yes yeah. but yeah. end of the day everybody's going to be one everybody's mm -hmm. going to use it and then yep. and the 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 better you understand language and how to talk or or actually say things the better you're going to be at it that means copywriters are perfect people for this you know what i mean like they're, they're perfect to mm -hmm. do this they just got to get yeah. over that hump of this is not replacing you this is just helping you and making it faster we actually just did we're, we're, we're working on a client we're actually working on something like that um with with ai and it was spitting out some funny things but then we got within five minutes of changing things and language and changing that we got to a point where it's for the client, it's making sense for them. They're like, yeah, this is great. And we can actually sell it this way for that yep. project. And it works. And mm -hmm. it's like, we did that in five minutes instead of trying to figure something out over a week. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. speeds up the process, but you still got to be there. You still got to do that. I, I completely agree with that. We uh, have been playing a little bit with some of the walled garden tools that are out there as well, like writer.com, where you can upload proprietary information. We have a yep. client that does industrial like LED lighting, and they've got really technical manuals. And so all the copy and content we're producing for them is very highly technical. But when you can feed an LLM with all of their data and all of their product descriptions and all of their technical you know, resources, it makes it a lot faster. <laughs> You know, because and then, it's and, not and the go, data. So. Yeah. <laughs> Take this boring, really technical document. Can you make it funny? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and all of a sudden you have this fun documentation that actually is technical, but also funny at the mm -hmm. same time. Yep. If you do it, you know, correctly. That's just thing operationally, like, it's the thing that's going to allow you to still let people work a 32 and a half hour week. Yeah. yeah 100%. You know what I mean? And, like, that's how we, that's how yep. we are able to do these things. Because uh, the clients yep. don't, their expectations don't go down by a half a day. No, right, so. we have them asking us more like, why aren't you doing more for us now that these tools are available, sure. right? You know, why are we still only getting two blog posts a week or whatever that is? So it's, it's a lot, but you know, we, so we recently decided to go to niche into the mission driven organizations. Um, it's a lot of factors leading up to that, but just being tired of, we love our mission driven orgs and we have a really good product there. And so I'm working on 
sort of a framework that outlines how we what the what the marketing product is that we sell to them right now. And so it's that's the classic use case of if we can do more with less, those are the people we're going to do it for. But the truth is, it's a testing grounds, right? So I have a year or two to figure out what is the how can I do so much more with less that now we can offer that to entirely other industries who are also at this at this level. So I really, really, really we have a couple enterprise level clients and we have a lot of mid market clients and we have some SMBs. I love our SMBs and small mid market clients the most. They have passion. They're interested in the results. They care about what we're doing. Sometimes it's overbearing, but that's why that perfect sort of entry mid-market person or group or team is where we like to be. So that they're like interested, but they're also knowledgeable. They have some level of experience and expertise. We're not their first agency. We might be their third, you know, something right. like that. So, yeah. When you say mission-driven, are you talking about B Corps and 501c3s or? Yeah, mostly 501c3s. We do have some B Corp clients as well. We work with nonprofits that are actually in spaces that you might not consider. And so we have nonprofits who are just affordable housing providers. And so they don't do fundraising per se, but we're just, you know, helping them with affordable, you know, brand building and things like that. Um, we also have a client that's an insurance company that's a nonprofit that's been around since 1862. And it's like a fraternal brother of Serbian something or other something, you know, so it's, you don't know that these like actual what you would think to be a for profit organization were originally, you know, a nonprofit. And so we still use a lot of the tools and technologies. And we still have clients across a lot of different industries, but that is slowly changing as we wash out. So yeah, I would never imagine insurance to be a exciting (laughs) it's it's life insurance and a few other annuity products and one of the favorite reports we get from them on a regular basis because we manage their hubspot instance is the death report of people that we need to delete from their off the list that's right (laughs) oh man um it's funny um can you talk about um we talked about sort of a a milestone sort of a little bit of a positive right um can you talk about a unique challenge that you face uh, over the years as well and sort of how your leadership team and, and yourself sort of collaborated uh, in their respective roles to overcome it? That's a good question. It's we um, this past year has been that for us. It has been one of the most challenging years integrating two agencies with the economy completely freezing up and all of our deal flow slowing down. And we're already heavy because we're trying to find work for all these new faces. Um, And so um, it is nice. We have some very, very, very long-term employees and some great leaders who came together and were like, these are the changes we need to make. You know, we had to go through layoffs for the first time in our history. Um, And I think they, I'm not a direct manager of anybody on my team except for two leaders. And so I, we really had to rely on their ability to sell the story Um, of our stability. And the truth is when people are doing layoffs, it's not because you're going under, right? Like we did layoffs so that we could support the team at a healthy place and maintain profitability and all of those things. So sharing that piece of the puzzle was like, no, 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 we're not losing money. Look at all this revenue we have booked for the next year. But you know, at the same time- It was based on redundancies uh, after after the mergers. Yeah. There's redundancies and then just, yeah, like um, an attrition of I don't think, I will say this, I do not think we did our due diligence as well as we should have before the acquisition on the client relationships. And I think that they, the way that they worked with their clients was 
very different than the way we worked with our clients, even mm. though we're selling the same products. So they were very much in a vendor relationship with their clients as they would, they didn't track time. So their team did not love that we had to start tracking time. Um, and they were just bending over backwards to do anything their clients asked. And so when we had them start tracking time and we'd see that like you're over servicing the, these clients by almost double and that's not fair. And so then we had to start making changes to the client relationships. We started right. realizing we are far overstaffed. These people who were working 40 hours really only should have been working 10 hours or whatever that looked like. And so the more data we had month after month started revealing a lot of both bad client fit and bad people fit when it came to sort of servicing those things. So um, I feel really strong. We have still have a lot of the core folks who kind of helped us wade through all of that. And also the client transitions that had to happen because obviously there's a lot of moving points of contact and things like that. Sure. Um, so that's right. been good. But now we're, I feel just, we're, yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, we're in a better spot now, I think, than we have been in a long time. Like the past three months have felt really solid. I know our production team are super busy, so they don't feel great about it, but I'd rather they feel super busy than worried about like, <laughs> are we going under? You know, what's right. happening here? So, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's always the toughest. Um, with those challenges, um, what kind of professional development have you done or doing currently that kind of progressed over those years and just like helped you with those kind of challenges? Uh, none. <laughs> attending, fire. attending bureau events and webinars and things like that. I mean, I do watch a lot of things. I've gone some through some of the manager tools and things like that. I, you know, I don't feel like I am professionally trained to do what I do in any capacity. I read a lot. I learn a lot. I read a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So, well, and well, that is an answer. I mean, that's that's that something an you don't do. I, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's not, I think it's most of us are self-taught to a lot. Yeah, of it's been super helpful to have this community of bureau of agency owners to lean on with the bigger questions. And you know, yeah. I've been doing it like you said, almost twenty years, and so I feel like every lesson I've learned, I've been able to move forward from and, and approach in a different way in the future. So well, that was the, yeah. I mean, like just thinking about, we, we spent a lot of time as leaders thinking about how do we give access and opportunity to our teams in terms of their yeah. professional development. But to your point, think about Andy Graham founder and CEO in 2005. And now think about her today. Oh, yeah. You're, you're not the same person from like your experience and everything, but you have, you've also had to iterate uh, across two decades now, right? Um, yep. Your clients change, the industries you're servicing change, your services have changed, the people you work with have changed. Um, that's a lot of change, right? And a lot of iteration. So don't sell yourself short. Reading is probably the best way to, uh, to adapt. Um, to be fair, I just want to interject that we do have six clients who have been with us since then. So the clients have changed, but a lot of them have stayed exactly the same. We're on like round three of website redesigns for a lot of clients awesome. right now. So, That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We, yeah. I mean, I don't, Jason, I don't know you have those long claim clients, but we turned 13 this year and we have somebody that's been with us for 12. So yeah. it's always nice to have like this long term. The legacy thing. clients. It's, yes. Yeah. And it's always yeah, yeah. fun to like go get them. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Andy, this was awesome. Um, thank you so much. We got one final question for you before you go. Uh, that Bart asked uh -oh. every guest. So well, first of all, <laughs> at first, 
where people can find you. So oh, yeah. you can do the plugs. Plug yourself. <laughs> I'm big. I'm at Big C. Uh, I don't know where else you can find me. AndyGram.co, but I don't really use that. You can find me on LinkedIn, Andy Graham at Big C. <laughs> With an I. Like all about. Yeah. Um, I don't use Twitter. I don't, you know. X, it's not Twitter Andy, anymore. It's X. X. Come on. And, and, Come on. And that's X. exactly why I don't use it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our final question, which is always the fun one, is what are you currently obsessed with? <sighs> um. This is going to be, a, I assume I can go personal or professional. Oh, you can anything. go anywhere you would like. You like to. it when it's not work. Okay. It's more interesting. Yeah. This is a deep obsession. Like oh, my yes. husband is very sick of this. I have planned our entire life starting the day my daughter moves out of the house. She is 14 and starting high school in two weeks. And I already have the RV we are buying, exactly the route we're taking around the U.S., a list of campgrounds and places we're going to stay. I'm between two different models, to be fair, but we need to go check them out in person. But, like, sure. I'm already in the, like, owner groups on Facebook. Like, I am I'm in it. So, and I'm just envisioning our life. We Love it. In the woods with our I, coffee. All I see is there's a... Annie constantly on her phone has a has a counter that's just counting down like five year, four years from now though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And he's like, like, they're not even going to make those models. Like those models are going to be obsolete. She's like, honey, it's only three years, eleven months, twenty seven days, fourteen hours. (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. I love this kind of what it's. uh, Jason's two in a row now. Two in a row. Those are two good ones. Yeah. Good one. I love it. It was uh, Todd Dinekirk <laughs> last week uh, from Four Kitchen. And it was uh, it was uh, it was something. That episode is out, so you should check. Oh, it out. I gotta go watch it. Yeah, I love yeah. Todd. Uh, Andy, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. This was amazing. Fantastic. It's awesome. It was good to talk to you guys. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, we'll do it again. We'll bring we'll bring Zooey on for sure. Yeah, yeah that'd be, be awesome. Fun. We'll do that awesome. next good. year. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And we see. All you right. Guys Bye, guys. Next time. Bye, everybody.